Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz Live from our Barangaroo studios. We kick off the PM as usual with the call. 10 stocks are picked by you. I put those stocks to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. And uh, interesting mix of stocks available. Uh, let's. Uh, Catch up with the panel. We've got David Lane from uh, Ords in Brisbane. David, how are you? Very well. Good to see you, mate. And uh, David Novak from Wealthwise Education will be joining us very, very shortly. Uh, Let's take a look at the stocks that uh, we're going to be covering in this half hour. Uh, COG Financial, you want us to take a look at. EML Payments, uh, Medibank Private. Steadfast and Abacus Property Group. Um, Stock of the day, pretty obvious, really popular here on the call for quite some time. Um, Had a big following amongst a lot of our our experts here on the panel. Elders, the big uh, diversified agricultural business, um, posted a half year net profit after tax, $48.8 million down 46% on the same period last year. Underlining earnings, uh, almost 83 million, down 37%. Uh, Company declared a 30% franked, uh, uh, 30% 30 franked dividend of 23 cents a share. That's down 18% uh, on the 28 cents a share for the same period last year. Uh, financial year 23 underlining earnings now expected to be between 180 and 200 million dollars. Uh, market incredibly disappointed. We talked on the call about it on Friday, um, and um, uh, a lot of uh, Brady um, or Grady Wolf from Bell, Howard Coleman, uh, saying this update, and and um, also. Uh, Mark Gardner from Macro saying uh, this uh, report was going to be crucial because it's so well loved in the market. David Lane, what did you think of the update? Uh, very disappointing and, and the market's obviously been very disappointed by it as well. Um, they gave their full year outlook and expected that the, the first half would be quite strong. Um, but unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. And they spoke about, uh, I suppose, a, a number of different issues that they've faced, that the, the cattle prices are down, there's, there's weaker crops, uh, they've also had unseasonably uh, wet weather. So it's, it's been a very difficult time for them. And uh, yeah, as you can see by the share price, it's been uh, smashed today and uh, down about 48% across the, the last 12 months. So it will really even them over the last six months. So it's been a stock that, as you said, previously was well loved. Um, the problem, I suppose, for elders is that the previous 
12 months was exceptional for them. So they had everything going in their favour. They had high cattle prices. They had the uh, yeah, the, the strong crop and, and wheat prices from uh, the concerns or the, um, the conflict in the Ukraine. So last year was exceptional. This year it's looking uh, a lot worse. Um, probably the one bright spot in their result was the fact that they said they're anticipating the second half will be slightly better. Um, but, yeah, there weren't too many bright spots in the, the announcement today, unfortunately. Yeah, David, um, like we see the five-year graph, if we bring it back to the, to the one year again, we had the uh, announcement that the managing director was going to retire, they're going to replace, yeah. uh, really cut it hard. Um, but then a lot, so many broking houses... Uh, said, hey, future still looks really good. It's going to mm. bounce back. It's one of our best bets for the year. That was almost consistent across the markets. Well, yes, that's right. And I think the, you know, the, the, the problem with investing in agricultural stocks, and it's been a problem forever, uh, is that you are reliant on, on weather conditions and, and the overall um, you know, outlook for, for commodities. So it's, yeah, it's been a tough one. Um, I think the market was anticipating that, you know, the, the worst was behind them, but certainly from this result, it doesn't look the, the case. Um, they didn't have an update on their CEO replacement either. They said that they should be able to, to make right. an announcement on that probably mid-July. So maybe the market was also looking for a, a positive update there as okay. well. Um, right. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's probably one I'd be steering clear of at the moment. But then again, when you look at the share price, uh, for, for those that are you know, brave enough, um, it could be an opportunity, but yep. it's probably one that I think has too many risks at the moment. And I'd be yep. waiting until we at least get a, a CEO announcement. Yep. Yep. Uh, David Novak from Wealthwise Education has joined us. David, the, the Elders update. Oh, shocking. Uh, how, how can so many analysts get it so wrong is the question I've been over. It's, it's been probably the most loved stock in the sector for a while and, and has done nothing. Yeah, look, it's... Um, I, I, look, again, it, it's very much the case with a lot of, uh, you know, Analysts, if they have an overly bullish expectation, then beware. Yeah. You know, it's like any, anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've become a contrarian when there's too many, um, whether they're too bearish or too bullish. You know, you take yeah. a contrarian view in my experience. But, yeah, look, getting it so wrong, it's, I mean, this is a pretty pretty poor report. Um, you know, they are talking about a turnaround. Well, it all depending on weather conditions. But, look, for me, uh, the sentiment, the technical damage is done. Yeah, and you know you you can't rush into a stock like this. You've got to wait till it consolidates. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd switch out of this and go to Grain Corp. Would be right. my you know. right. But uh, yeah, disappointing result. Um, you almost get the sense. Look, um, chief executive retiring, um, haven't had uh, who highly regarded. Didn't as David Lane saying didn't didn't say today any progress on a new one, and you're wondering whether. Uh, there was some, uh, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll put this to the um, the eldest boss, uh, 2.15 Eastern on Osbys today, whether there were things in the cupboard that, that the market didn't know about and they're just cleaning it out ahead of a new chief executive. Yeah, quite possibly. You know, something, I mean, like you said, you'd think the analysts would be on top of that. Um, 
But yeah, uh, yeah so quite a surprise. Um, yeah, you, you could be right there, David, in terms yeah. of... We'll put, yeah. it, put it to him a bit later, but um, yeah, really surprising as regulars to the call would know, virtually um, every panellist that we have on um, has really liked Elders. Uh, Mark, Allison, Mark Allison, the Elders Chief Executive, just a reminder on Ausbiz here at 2.15 Eastern, we'll put all those questions to him. All right, let's uh, start looking at the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And David Lane, Emily wants a view on COG Financial, um, equipment financing business, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, equipment financing and and some uh, novated leasing as well. So. Uh, we like the business. We've got a buy recommendation on it. I uh, think that it's got a valuation of about $1.90. Um, their last result was okay. It was a little bit uh, impacted by a, a minority investment they've got in early pay. But we think the, the medium and long-term outlook for the business is, is a uh, positive. They've got uh, a lot of head or a lot of tailwinds, I should say, uh, with the the infrastructure spending and particularly as far as renewable energy is concerned. So they're involved in a lot of equipment leasing for, uh, oh. for the renewable energy space. Okay. Um, and also see a fair bit of upside in their novated leasing from EVs. Right. Okay. Well, they're uh, they are sexy areas to be in, aren't they? Uh, renewable energy and EVs. So uh, yes, uh, a buy recommend dollar ninety currently around that dollar forty three mark, as we can see on the chart there. Um, David Novak, COG Financial. Yeah, this is not not for me. I mean, number one. Uh, just look at the uh, liquidity of this stock. It has an average daily turnover. This is me- measured over three months, a quarter, of fifteen thousand dollars a day. Yeah, dollars. Fifteen thousand dollars. Not shares. Not dollars. shares. Dollars. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, that's tightly held. <laughs> so, you know, just for that reason alone, I wouldn't touch it. It's just too illiquid. Uh, it's got a two hundred seventy million market cap. It's trading at a price to earnings ratio of fourteen times. But look, I think, look, for a dividend yield of 6%, um, hmm. their return on equity has been fairly flat, to tell you yeah. the truth. There's no, I can't see any major growth here, unless what David's saying, you know, in the equipment rental business there with new renewables. But the trend is down as well. So for that right. reason, I would be a seller of this because it's just crossed down on the weekly chart. It hit a recent high of around, you know, almost $2, would you believe? I mean, you know, this goes back to with the highs back in 2017, the uh-huh. stock. So it's getting what we call resistance up here and it's fallen away. And I've got a crossover below the 50-day moving average, which is one of my you know, key indicator that right. analysts use. Okay. So this is not a positive trend. So two things that goes against my rules is right. one, the liquidity, and secondly, the trend. Yeah, because uh, for those people who don't understand the liquidity, if there's not much liquidity, um, it's really hard to get out when well, you want to sell, and it's hard to get in without moving the share price up. Yeah, it's like a, what's the analogy? A lobster pot. Lobster pot. <laughs> you get yeah, in, yeah, you yeah. can't get out. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't take much of a seller to push the, or buyer equally yeah. to push the price around, and if it gets sold off heavily, you try to get out. It's a bit of a problem. Okay. All right. Let's look at our next stock. Uh, Ethan wants a view. On EML payments, certainly has had a roller coaster ride over the last couple of years. Uh, FinTech company, 32 countries, um, they do um, uh, stored payments, prepaid cards, 
um, uh, gift cards, uh, reloadable uh, cards with a, a lot of uh, a big brand names around the country has had regulatory issues overseas that seems to have dogged them for a while, David Novak. Um, uh, is it clear of that yet? No, no. And I that's mean, the issue, is it? Yeah, yeah. Just look at the chart. I mean, can you believe this stock in 2021 got up to a high of nearly $6? Yep. Here it is around 60 cents, 67. Uh, this is an avoid sell. I mean, look, they're going through this transition. The, the, uh, the operational person who's in charge of operations to turn this around, she's resigned. And uh, they've announced an interim uh, CEO for six months. Uh, his name's Kevin Murphy. Apparently, he's a turnaround expert. Right. Um, he's coming, stepped in. I mean, they've they've got you know um, issues with the Ar- Irish Central Bank, yep. the regulatory issues there. So look, everything here. Like, just, like a lot of financial groups, it's yeah. sort of um, accusations, allegations of money laundering, is that? Yeah. Through and these stored cards. Yeah. So they're going through you know new le- leadership transitional. Operational priorities, a strategic review. They've brought in um, who's the, the external consultants. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> always, <laughs> they always cost you an arm and a leg. Yep. Right? Yeah. So obviously, um, yeah, this is one to avoid. You know, if you wanted to be in this space, you'd probably, you know, not that I am, but uh, I'd say Zip would be a better, you know. Uh, Zip would be better than him. Uh, right. uh, yeah, Zip seems to be, you know. Uh, you're really getting hitting its straps these days. So yeah. um, if you're going to be in that space right. uh, and playing it, like I said, I don't, but I, I would not be in email payments right. whatsoever. So with a stock like this that's been regulatory issues, management changes, do you just ignore it forever? Or where, you know, you you, you, you put it in the naughty quarter for a while and you, you just revisit every so often? Well, what, what, what do you look for for signs of a turnaround? Um, well, you know, the, the um, earnings, of course, so cash flow, you yeah. know, and uh, revenue. I mean, it's all got to filter through to the bottom line, but this sounds to me it's going to take some time to sort out. Right. So I wouldn't even have it on my watch list, to tell right. you the truth. Okay. It's just not, not, you know, it's not investment grade whatsoever. Okay. David Lane, EML Payments? Yeah, I certainly agree with with many of the things that that David has said. Um, Having said that, though, our analysts have actually got a buy recommendation on it. Um, They're sort of looking for a turnaround in the business. Um, As David said, they've appointed Baron Joey. They've got a new board that's come in 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 Feb. Uh, So it it is a business that the underlying business is actually quite okay, uh, and they should start to Im- improve their earnings uh, from rising interest rates. And they've actually been moving into new markets. Um, but yeah, they, they have had a, a checkered past. They've got those regulatory issues, as you said. Uh, the new interim CEO is actually previously from Bank of Ireland. So that's you know possibly a, a positive as far as dealing with the, the regulators over there. Um, yeah, so we do have a buy recommendation on it, but I would you know, make sure everyone knows that it's high risk and it's one that you, uh, you know, if you're buying it, you, you're putting away for two to three years and, and hoping that it does turn around. Um, but personally, I think it's probably a little bit too high risk for my own portfolio. So you, you yeah. need to be uh, brave to yeah. be buying it. Because I suppose that's the thing the analysts will look at, or your analysts are looking for, David, whether, yes, there have been these regulatory issues, but is the underlying business solid yeah um yes and they they think it is 
Yeah, they seem to think that it is, and they they have been successful in uh, cross selling across their their customers and expanding the the range of services that they offer to them. Um, and they do have customers in you know in uh, banks around the world, governments, etc. So uh, yeah, there is growth in their underlying business. Um, so if they can get through these. Uh, regulatory and, and management issues that they've had recently, it could well be a, a good turnaround story over the next couple of years. Okay. All right. Uh, our next stock, Olivia wants a view, David Lane, on uh, Medibank Private, the big private health insurance group. Um, what do you think of Medibank? Yeah, also a business that's had uh, you know a number of issues. Obviously, uh, Medibank Private hit the headlines with their um, their the privacy breach. breach and that. Mm. Or data breach, yeah, that's had a, uh, an overhang over the stock. Um, but surprisingly, that hasn't really impacted too much on their uh, customers. You, we would have thought that there'd mm. be a, a big mm. um, exodus of customers. Look at that rebound on the it, share price from yeah, uh, the data yeah. breach in October. Uh, it's all, right. almost back to those levels. Mm. Yeah, so their results have shown that uh, either... Australians are fairly apathetic about their their private health care, or Medibank's um, offering is actually you know competitive, and I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, so we've got a hold recommendation on it. Don't think it's compelling value at current prices, um, but medium and longer term, it's a good business. They're um, well managed. Uh, importantly, too, with Medibank, the the other brand that they have is AHM. So they've been able to have a, a two-pronged approach so that they can have the, the cut price version through AHM. Mm. Uh, and that's actually been the part of the business that's been growing market share in, in recent times. Yeah, that's interesting. That's the, um, a lot of the analysts see that as an attraction for NIB as well, don't they? That the, yeah. You have, seem to have your main brand at the moment, and then you have the, all these white label or splinter brands that, uh, that, uh, that go off the hub. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And effectively, they they run the same back end systems, yeah. um, but are able to provide the the services differently. Uh, and you know, AHM a, a appeals more to the younger, um, you know, more online uh, focused business. So it's uh, yeah, it's quite a, a good brand mm. that they've been able to develop through that uh, through that channel. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, David Novak, Medibank. Yeah, look, I'm very much uh, in line with what David said there. You know, hold for, as well. Um, look, it is a bit pricey up here at 21 times. It's, yeah. it's fully valued. And it, technically, if you look at that chart before, you know, this is the fourth time it's been at this level and it's always had a retracement. Yeah. So, you know, you're paying top dollar up here. I mean, it cost them $26 million of this, that cybercrime um, situation. So that came out of their bottom line. So if you add that back, actually, the, the profit result wasn't too bad at all. <laughs> and their uh, net operating margins increased from 8.1 to 8.7%. So, you know, this is, you could say this is, to me, a defensive kind of stock. You know, right. it's got a steady yield just under 4% fully frank, which is not too bad. Um, you know, and it's an area of the market where, you know, like uh, Dave was saying, it was surprising they didn't have a bigger sell, uh, you know, um, sell-off or, or loss of policyholders. There was yep. something like nearly 13,000, which not wasn't big in the scheme of things. Yep. And now it's very steady. Their, their mm. number of policyholders is just remaining steady at the moment. So, you know, there seems to be a good recovery play uh, for anybody to pick that up at the bottom, that's for sure. Yeah. But, you know, you had to be brave. 
Um, but they, they seem to have put that behind them now. They've resolved that issue and um, and seems to be okay from here on. So, yes. Yeah, it's a, a testament to their management, isn't it? That yeah. they, they've weathered that. The knock on these private health insurance groups, though, are that government regulation on on premiums. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't set your own premium. You've got to have government approval, and and it always creates headlines. and And politically, it's really sensitive. Yeah, I think. But again, everybody needs the insurance and healthcare insurance. And like, uh, there's also the numbers increased with student um, um, numbers coming in, and also workers, oh, new workers. Oh, that's interesting. So that's in, improved their bottom line as well. Right. Uh, um, given them that. So immigration that's right. really helps private health insurance exactly, companies. Exactly, as well. Right. So yeah, look, steady as she goes, but yeah, not uh, not a buy for me up here. Right, okay. At best a hold. At a hold. All right, uh, next on the list, um, still in the uh, financial space and, and insurance space, uh, Alexander wants to view David Novak on Steadfast, the big uh, insurance broking roll-up. Yeah. Uh, it and AUB are basically the leaders in that sector, aren't they? Yeah, this is um, insurance brokers distribution. I mean, yeah. um, look, it's had a fantastic trend here since the COVID lows. I can't believe, you know, to me, it's fully priced up here at six $6. Um, I, I just don't understand why anybody would pay be paying this premium from what i can see it's like nearly 40 times earnings multiple wow. it's got a small dividend yield of two 2.3 percent um you know according to 11 brokers it's um, in, you know an average price target is six dollars 23 so it's close to that now but i'm quite surprised look how much higher that is from the uh, five-year high but even yeah you know just before uh, or 2020 the big uh, market crash it's way it's almost double that yeah and, and you know the their return on equity is flat it's uh, hasn't really you know it's it's single digit um, and their earnings growth was negative 20% so according to my numbers here and, and low do it so this is look for me I'd be a seller right up here take uh, your profits uh, you can hold because this trend is still going up but I would be taking some profits for right. sure okay. you know so it's definitely not a buy mm. for me yeah uh, David Lane, steadfast. Yeah, I tend to agree with the majority of David's comments as well that uh, they are fairly fully priced. Um, we've got a hold recommendation on them. Uh, our target price is, is $5.70. So as David said, they're trading above that. They're currently trading at $6. So yeah, fully priced. Um, but it is a business that's grown fairly strongly uh, through their acquisition. Um, and yeah, that does come at a cost. So they have to keep reinvesting in their business. They, they've bought a number of um, smaller brokers around the country. Very often they'll issue shares for part of that that acquisition. So you know, it has been a, a growth business and they do get some um, positivity through uh, premium increases over uh, you know, with inflation. But yeah, I'd be holding it at current levels, think that it's fairly you know, fully priced and obviously depending on how many you've got in your portfolio, you might even look at taking some profits, as David mm. suggested. Um, have they been swept up in this whole general insurance companies of, of you know, the IAGs of the world? Um, have had a, a strong couple of months because interest rates are high, they're going to get a better return on their investment portfolio. Have, have, have they been swept along with that with people not quite understanding they're not an insurance company? <laughs> 
Yeah, that, look, that's a possibility. Yeah, they don't, um, as you say, the likes of IAG and, and QBE for, um, and others will invest in, in markets because they've actually got those those premiums on their book. Uh, in the case of Steadfast, they, they're a broker, so they get commissions yeah. on the, the sales. Um, so, yeah, they will be getting some improvement. But, yeah, you could be right that the market may be a little bit ill-informed and think that mm. they um, yeah, have sort of underlying trends. Yeah, okay. All right, Sophie wants to view uh, David Lane on Abacus Property. Um, diversified property group storage office and retail, but um, big skew towards um, self-storage units, aren't they? Yes, yeah, that's right. So they've uh, recently uh, acquired the other 25% of Storage King that they didn't own. So they're yeah, 100% uh, owner of Storage King. Uh, and they've been developing a lot of uh, those storage properties over the recent years as well. So that's probably the, the positive side of the business. The other side um, is their office property uh, and they tend to be in the, the the second tier office properties. So in Abacus property, you've got, a I suppose, a, a good and bad at the moment um, because there are a lot of uncertainties around office property and, uh, you know, the, the potential that tenants won't renew uh, and they do have a relatively short um, lease or weighted average lease expiry on their office properties about 3.8 years so that is a bit of a uh, concern um, but having said that their share price is trading at about a 29% discount to their NTA mm-hmm. uh, so you know, many of those those REITs have been sold off yeah, you know, probably more than than the repricing will happen. Um, That's about so average for the rates, is that? Yeah, a lot of them are about twenty five to thirty uh, percent yeah. below their their NTA, and we think that we will see revaluations in particularly in that office space, but in a number of the the properties. But um, think that it's probably been sold off a little bit too much. So yeah, we've got an accumulate on it, um, and yeah, like that exposure to the storage. Um, business and probably have a preference towards it over national storage at the moment because national storage is probably you know, more fully priced than they are. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. David Novak? Yeah, look, I, everything that David said, I, I agree with. Um, you know, it, it is the like the self-storage portfolio that I like. It's uh, two, 2.8 billion is the, the, the value of their self-storage portfolio and 2.6 billion, the commercial portfolio, which has been the drag. Um, the as is, as David pointed out, it's trading well below NTA uh, value, which is three dollars eighty six. I think according to my last, yeah, three dollars eighty six. So it's quite significant. Uh, the trend is not your friend right now, but they are actually going to um, list out the, uh, the a, a REIT on the ASX for self storage. Yeah. Oh, so, so it'd be a, a pure self storage play. Yeah, three billion dollar ASX listed self storage REIT. So. Oh. I think if you're a shareholder, you'd hold for right. that listing. Yeah. I think uh, that'll be, look, the uh, sad thing is, of course, with the number of people uh, you're reading about, hearing about uh, that are becoming homeless, I mean, what are they gonna do with their, gotta put it somewhere. So self-storage yeah. is, is unfortunately the area that's, uh, right. you know, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, the place that uh, there's a growth yeah. for that reason. So, um, and plus that it, they're destapling at uh, the uh, self-storage um, area a portfolio is attractive, right. in my view. But at best, it's a hold right. right now. Okay, so all the REITs are at a big discount at the moment and have been for a while, haven't they? 
is there value and for a fairly conservative investor going into REITs at these discounts are we are we through the discounting cycle oh that's a tough one I mean you know we've got a couple of you know uncertainties out there don't we like is are we have we peaked out on inflation and interest yeah. rates I mean are we going to a recession because if yeah. we do then you'll get a rise in unemployment yeah. uh, then we've got the debt ceiling limit coming up in the US I don't think you can ignore that right now yeah. Um, so there's, a, there's still a lot of uncertainties. It's not a place I would be rushing right. in right now. Okay. There's just too many uncertainties. Because you, you, you think yourself as an investor, David Lane, that this is bricks and mortar. Australians love bricks and mortar. These are REITs that are trading 25, 30% below the value of the bricks and mortar. And a lot of investors would be thinking to themselves, that's crazy. That's got to turn around sometime. Yeah, yeah, and that's certainly true. Um, but yeah, as you said, there's there's the chance that we get revaluations in yep. in the value of those bricks and mortar. So, right. you know, our, our view is that you'll probably see revaluations of between about five and ten percent. So even if that does happen, they're still trading at about a twenty percent discount. Right. So um, there is definitely value there. Um, but at the moment, you you've sort of seen investors steer away from that sector. Uh, but for long-term investors who want to get a, a decent yield and, and invest in, as you said, bricks and mortar, um, there are opportunities out there. Because they've always been seen as being really conservative. <laughs> get into a REIT yeah. and they try to get massive discounts. It's weird. All right, let's uh, recap the first five stocks and our stock of the day so far. Elders was stock of the day after their report today. Share price down about 11%. Um, I know from both both Davids, David Lane and David Novak, and David Novak saying he'd switch into Grain Corp, which is much better prospects. COG Financial, uh, Ords and David Lane, a buy, a sell from David Novak. EML Payments, exactly the same, buy from David Lane and Ords, but it's a high risk, really high risk uh, buy. Um, isn't in David's personal wheelhouse for uh, for investing. A sell from David Novak. Medibank, um, a hold from both. Uh, Steadfast, a hold from both. David Novak saying, if you've been in it for a while, take some profits. Six bucks, way above five-year highs at the moment, just uh, shooting the lights out. Um, and probably the financials. And don't justify that at the moment. Uh, Abacus Property, accumulate from David Lane and a hold from David Novak. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund as picked by our investment committee. Uh, the May committee meeting currently on the platform, osbiz.com. Um, let's see what the last committee meeting at the start of May decided. Uh, they trimmed 1% from Macquarie Group, Wes Farmers and Elders. Um, added 1% to WiseTech Global, MA Financial and into cash and Austal um, was replaced by Kelsian Group. Uh, and since inception, the um, portfolio is up 11%, but keep sending your uh, requests in for the call because that's a first filter up to the investment committee. Um, this half hour, our final half hour, we're going to take a look at HPI, uh, Lifestyle Communities, Ear, and then we're going to finish up with a couple of gold stocks, Red 5 and St Barbara. Um, 
David Lane, William wants a view on HPI, the Hotel Property Investments Group, 60 pubs and properties, mainly in uh, Queensland, um, and mainly leased out by, by Coles. Yes, yeah, that's right. It's uh, yeah, a bit of a, a property theme, I guess, in, in these uh, stocks that we've got. But uh, yeah, Hotel Property Investment is a, a pretty um, secure one. It's got some very good leases, as you said, uh, long-term tenants. Their average lease ex- expiry is around 10 years, uh, and a number of those leases have, have sort of rolled over to be 10 or 15 years. So it's certainly got a good income, um, pretty conservative as far as the, the tenancy is concerned. Uh, the, probably the only thing that you know is going against it at the moment is the share price, that it's actually, uh, in spite of you know what's happened in many of the other REITs, it's actually been relatively strong. So we've got a hold recommendation on it. Um, yield at current prices is about 5.4%. So it's, it's okay, but not compelling. Um, so I think that's one that you'd if you were looking to uh, move into the stock, you'd probably wait for a little bit of a, a pullback. Okay. Um, but you know, it's it's a good quality portfolio. Is it is it a? Can you compare it with Endeavour? I know Endeavour's difference because it's got Dan Murphy's and BWS, but also has a lot of hotels in it. Do you? Is it in yeah. the same wheelhouse as Endeavour? Uh well, same wheelhouse in that they're, they're both, yeah, own pubs. A little bit different in that this one, um, they have triple net leases. So you're only getting the income from the properties. Um, the, the average rent increase is about 4%. So at the moment, you, you are looking at a reasonable increase in rent, but you don't actually get any upside from the, the pubs themselves right. uh, with hotel property investments, whereas Endeavour, you've got, the, the upside of the, the business operating um, those pubs and also the, the impact of the, the gaming as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, both both businesses, I guess, you've got the potential regulatory impact of, um, you know, the, the government looking at, at gaming in particular. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there, there could be some negatives on the horizon. Um, okay. But, yeah, we've got a whole recommendation on right. them. We do like Endeavour and think that it's uh, you know, reasonably priced at current levels. Mm. David Nova? Yeah, look, I'm I, um, very much a similar vein. Um, it's a hold at best. Um, it would not be a buy for me. Um, look, it's been steady, but I, I, I just don't see the, the growth here. It's uh, like over the last five years, return on equity averages around 4%. Okay. Yeah, that's been through lockdowns, though. You're a bit harsh, David, are you? But <laughs> they had to close for a while. <laughs> yeah, but going five years back to, I'm looking at right. numbers back to June 19. Right, okay. Right. Uh, even pre COVID, I'm including right. that. But, you know, it's just been, um, you know, like David said, it's got an unfranked yield of 5.5%. I've got $1.2 billion portfolio, 35% gearing. Yep. And 71% of their leases are linked to CPI increases. Right. Okay. Um, again, they've had a revaluation in the last six months, which impacted their bottom line profits, you know, $27 million adjustment. And I mean, last, the previous year, uh, corresponding six months, the year before, which is June 22, they had an increase of $100 million. So, you know, how much of that will be revalued downwards is another question. But they had a $27 million adjustment. So they you know, net pr- loss after tax of $7.9 million. Right. Um, look, I just can't get too excited about this. And I look at the, you know, with the, the like I said, the return on equity is just 
not there yeah. for me. Is Endeavour an alternative? Yeah, I, I think so. A better alternative to this. But yeah. again, I'm staying away from property REITs completely, right. uh, except for self-storage, I think. Right. That's an area. But otherwise... But hotels as well. Yeah, because of the, you know, rising costs and inflation yeah. and, you know, what's coming up in the last next six to 12 months, who knows? Right. So okay. I'm, just, I'm just being very cautious at the moment. All right. Um, Ava wants to view David Dovak on lifestyle communities. Uh, they develop and manage over 50s semi-retired retiree market in Victoria. Um, what do you think of lifestyle communities? Oh, look again, this is, I don't understand the business model of this. I'm just looking at, it's for over 50s yeah. and the average age is 75 and it is downsizing, which is a great market, but for <laughs> Victorians, because it's in, you know, in, in uh, Melbourne and rural Victoria mostly. Yep. Um, you know, they've got a uns- number of unsettled projects out there. Net profit after tax for the last uh, six months was down slightly to 25 million. Got a $1.7 billion market cap on this company. Um, they've had negative growth, earnings growth, so they've got a lot of deferred settlements. Right. Um, it's a great no, thematic, though, isn't it? You know, I, I like aging the, population. I, I do, but it's not but reflecting. they're not delivering. They're not delivering on the bottom line. Right. Um, it's, the yield isn't there. It's not even 1%. Right. So, I mean, I know there's an annuity stream in its building. They've got, uh, you know, they've got over total assets of a billion dollars. And they've got undeveloped, um, you know, growth there as well. But I, I, I just can't buy it. It's just uh, on the value, just looks really expensive to me. Unless right. David can enlighten yeah. us on. David, can you you convince us otherwise on lost old communities? There's a challenge. The gauntlet yeah, thrown down. Not- <laughs> Not really on, on lifestyle communities. Um, we've got a hold recommendation. Um, we're actually a little bit disappointed by their last result. Um, it is, though, an interesting sector, as you said, that it's that, uh, that over 50s, semi-retired, into retired. Um, their business model is interesting in that it's around the, um, you know, what we call the demountable type operations. So they end up they continue to own the land and effectively the uh, the, the building itself is on a 99-year lease. Ah. Um, so there's some interesting um, models in that space. Uh, we actually prefer Ingenia uh, as an alternative to the to the stock. Uh, same sort of business that it's in. Uh, the code's INA for Ingenia and we think that it's uh, a, a better value uh, business. Um, we've got a buy recommendation on those, but a, a hold on lifestyle communities. Okay. Oh, that's a good alternative then. Um, as we say, uh, good thematic, but you've got to deliver on the numbers. All right, uh, Benjamin wants to view David Novak on Iron Ironeer, yeah. the lithium boron uh, developer. Um, got a project in Nevada in the USA. Lithium still pretty hot at the moment. Lots of mergers going on. Mm. I actually quite like this one. I was at the uh, Sydney Resource Conference last week, the three-day conference, right. and I actually listened to their presentation yeah. on the last day. Um, I like this one. Actually, I'm going out and saying this is a buy. Right. Uh, they're based in Nevada. Their their project is the Rhyolite. Uh, is that Rhyolite? Yep, Ridge? Rhyolite. Um, boron lithium boron project and the thing about is the um there's a you know a part of the uh, the act that was passed by biden the was was it called the 
Reflation yeah. Act or whatever it's right. called. But it's full part of security too, you know, security right. of supply. This and is the sort of the strategic investment program, yep. is it, from Biden sort of ensuring that these sensitive resources Absolutely. are secured in the US rather than depending on China or other countries. Yeah, so they're, they're like right in the heart of it and they've got right. a very big deposit. Um, you know, there's a project here of 20 plus years. I mean, look, they've got to get through some permitting first and they've also... So they're not producing? Not producing. Right. They're, they're, the timeline for production, I think it was out to 2026. So there's right. a number of years out there. But they're, they're right in the mix of it and they've um, signed off, off um, what do you call it, uh, um, uh, agreements with sort Ford. Off-take agreements. Off-take so. agreements yeah. with Ford and someone else that I'm just trying to remember. But, um, but anyway, they, they've really got a, like I said, 26 mine, mine, year mine life and large ex expansion production as w uh, uh, potential as well. But the cash balance, they've got about 69 million US. They've got just under 800 million market cap. But what I do like about it is the, the substantial shareholders, Centaurus and Silvani Stillwater's in there, and they're going to fund 50% of the project. Oh. And also, they potentially get, um, could be up for a $700 million loan from the US government for this project as well. Um, so the management team are excellent. Right. That's, okay. that's the key here. Hey, explain well. to me the difference between, because lithium's not just lithium, and so the lithium boron, and then there's lithium spodumene or whatever. <laughs> well, what's the difference between them all? Um, well, I'm not an expert in this area, but I mean, boron, bor boron acid is used in glass and it's many other industrial applications. So it's ah. quite distinct from lithium. Right. Lithium sort of about, so they've got two part two projects here. You're right, yeah. Okay. Um, the, the boron prices of boron acid market has remained very stable. You know, the, for decades, it's priced between, you know, 600 US to 800 US tons per annum. So it's a very stable market. Uh, right. There is increasing demand in sectors like solar, specialty glass, uh, so agriculture, right. um, magnets, for example, EVs. Right. So it is a highly sought after um, uh, min min mineral and um, lithium, as you know, for batteries. Now, again, there's, there's uh, as you said, the spodamine and there's also the other um, hard rock phosphate. Yep. Yep. There's, I mean, look, I'm not an expert in this area. I mean, it's a hot potato at the moment. If you look at that sector, because of the mergers that are going on. You've seen Alkium recently. Um, you, you've got um, the takeover with Liontown. Yeah. Uh, Pilbara Minerals has taken off recently. But I wouldn't, this is a hot seat. I wouldn't be chasing it right now. Right. But this one, strategically, where it's played, I mean, with the so mm. size of the resource and the, the, the likelihood that they're going to get support from the US government and yep. uh, funding from Silvani Stillwater, I, this is a great long term okay. hold. But you wouldn't be going in guns blazing right now, but certainly accumulating down right, there. Right. I do like this. This is. I was very impressed with the management. Mm, okay, uh, David Lane, uh, are your analysts just as impressed? Yes, they are. Yeah, uh, and similarly, the management came and presented at our East Coast Mining Conference uh, in March, and and again, we're we're impressed by them. Uh, they do have. The, the right agreements in place and as David said the potential funding from the US government so it's uh, it's a good business um, we've got a speculative buy recommendation on it uh, our target price is $62 uh, 
Not sixty-two. Sixty-two dollars. <laughs> wow! I'll, I'll have a slice of that. <laughs> no, sixty-two cents. All right. Okay. All right. That's yes. Um, so, but even still, it's, that's double. Uh, yeah, some, nearly double where they're they're currently trading at. We have seen the share price pop in the last few weeks uh, as a result of some of that that other corporate activity happening in the the lithium space. But we think it's it's a good business. Um, as David said, though, it does have some work to do to actually get to production. Um, but as a as a long term player in that space, I think uh, Iron Ear is a is a very good one. See, we we talk, we talk about these sorts of stocks, and yes, there is a speculation that it's a great deposit, great locator. But but the unknown is whether the management is good enough to pull off the development of the mine on budget without coming back to shareholders time and time again for more money. But by the sound of it, from what the two of you are saying, David Lane, uh, both are impressed with the management that they can pull it off. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that uh, you're absolutely right that um, that there's always problems that can occur with uh, mining uh, operations. So, yeah, you can never count it but yeah definitely the management are very experienced and seem to know what they're doing and have got uh, good agreements in place so yeah i think it's it's uh yeah pretty well positioned um for the future okay all right uh our final two stocks uh we're going to go into the uh into the gold sector which is pretty hot at the moment um gold price still above two thousand us dollars an ounce three thousand aussie dollars um, David Novak, uh, Mia wants a view on Red Five, um, Explore at Gold Production, uh, Dalek Gold Mine um, near Perth, and King of the Hills Gold Mine as well. Um, what do you think of Red Five? It is not my preferred stock in the sector. I mean, their costs have been really high. They're all in sustaining costs. Um, you know, so they had a really poor f- uh, first half. Their second half is improved. Their, their productions they had a record um, month in April of uh, about 18,600 ounces. So their forecast for the, the remaining six months um, is 190 to 105,000 ounces with the all-ins sustaining costs of 1750 to 1950. The problem is they're hedging. See, they've got a bit of debt. Right. So they've had to take out hedging at much lower prices. So they're getting around 2,500 um, Aussie per ounce, but was, guess what? In the first half, that's what that's what their costs were, right? As well, right. so they didn't make any money. No, okay. So, so they're not cash flow positive. Um, so that's hence why, and they've had to hedge out more, you know, for right. to to satisfy the lenders. See that uh, for a gold producer, that's a terrible chart. It's a shocking, is that when you compare it to say Northern Stars chart or Newcrest or any of the others. Yeah, it's been look. It's yeah, it's been disappointing oh. for anybody who's been an investor in in this yeah. particular stock, and especially where gold is trading yes. Aussie dollars. Yeah, which is this over, is where you make hay. This is where it's uh, right now. It's three thousand dollars Aussie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's if you can't make money at that price, then you shouldn't be in the game. Yeah. Uh, but look, this is one to avoid. Um, there's much better stocks in the sector, like uh, Gold Road. I mean, if you want to go up the top end, Northern Star. But um, I prefer the um, unhedged African producers like Perseus, uh, West Africa Resources. Why? Well, they're unhedged and they're right. lower costs. And if you look at West Africa, they're 1,175 US all in. 
sustaining. Right. So they're getting at least $800 US, that's right. 1200 bucks margin. Whereas compared to Red 5, they're not getting anything yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. And okay. um, you know, at best, uh, forward, looking forward, probably be $500 Aussie. So right. their margin, Aussie producers are getting much less margin margins. Um, again, you've got to look at the hedging policy and what they've got hedged yep. out. So, yep. and again, with the outlook on gold, if you look at the gold price over the last you know, three to five, five years, I mean, back in 2020, it hit 2000 US, then it fell all the way back to uh, 1700. Then it hit last year, the beginning of last year, it hit the same level and then fell to 1650. Right. And now we're 2000 again at this level, although the Aussie dollar price has exceeded yep. those two two years. But the, I think the best... Uh, so you, are you saying uh, gold price is at, on the chart, it's peak at the moment? Well, do it, any better it's just bumping up against you know, historical resistance where it yeah. is right now. It's having some problem getting through. And that's why there hasn't been a gold rush, so to speak, in the sector. Right. There, you know, there's been some stocks that have taken off. You know, Gold Road's performed really well. Northern Star, the big end of Newcrest being taken over by Newmont. Um, but the key here is going to be, I listened to Stanley Drockermuller, who, as you know, is a legendary hedge fund. He's short the US dollar because longer term, he sees the US dollar going down. And I agree, which would be positive for gold because right. there's an inverse correlation. Right. When the US dollar goes down, gold price goes up. Now, the US dollar did rebound on Friday. I can talk a lot about this, but I have the view longer term, I think the US dollar will go down. That's why I'm, I, longer term, I'm bullish on gold. But there's, you know, yeah. it's interesting. There's not a lot of talk about gold breaking through these levels no. like you'd heard in the past. But I, I think that's what's happening at the moment. People are just a bit reticent right now to jump right. into the gold sector. Oh, that's interesting. So, but at Aussie producers, uh, you know, if you're not making money at these well, levels, then if you, know. you can, if you've got Aussie dollar costs and can sell for US dollars, it's a <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> because it's great. The, the previous highs was twenty eight hundred Aussie, yep. so we're trading above, above that at three thousand. Yeah. In fact, it got to three thousand one hundred at one stage. Uh, David Lane, <laughs> what do you think of uh, Red Five? Yeah, I tend to agree with with most of what David said. Um, their result was was disappointing. They had a twenty million dollar uh, inventory adjustment, and I think the real risk with Red Five in the near term is their balance sheet. Um, they've got about one hundred and twenty eight million dollars of debt, and they are developing the, the King of the Hill mine. So, it is a very very good asset, but they're going through a lot of capital expenditure to to build that mine, uh, and their last result had higher capital expenditure. We're forecasting they'll probably burn about $30 million of cash in the next quarter. Um, so there's a potential risk that they they need to raise capital uh, in the near term. So it's uh, probably one that yeah, I'd be steering clear of. If you've got them, I'd be holding them. We've got a, uh, a whole recommendation on it. Um, our target price is pretty much where they're trading at the moment. Um, as I said, longer term, really good asset but at the moment it's uh yeah needs to be funding their development so i'd be yeah steering clear of, of red five at, at this point okay um samuel wants a view david lane then on st barbara um yep. they include uh um, leonora uh gold mining company but um their operations in papua new guinea as well um what do you mm. think of st barbara is that a better opportunity than Red Five? Uh, 
Possibly not. It, it, you, know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about Iron Ear about management, and St Barbara is one of those that um, you know has good assets, but management hasn't necessarily been able to to get the right returns out of it. Um, so it's a business under takeover at the moment, and there's yep. just been an announcement today that um, GMD have improved their offer for the the business, um, and Silver Lake have also got a bid in their management of have um, rejected the Silver Lake bid. But uh, yeah, they are under under takeover. So if you've got it at the moment, I'd be uh, be sticking with it. Um, our official recommendation is a light, and so you'd be looking at, at how this plays out as far as the takeover activity to, to sell into that. Um, interestingly, though, we do like Silver Lake and we've got a buy recommendation on it. So, um, yeah, that's one of the, the ways that we'd be, be playing it. Uh, and similar to what David said earlier, we do like uh, Gold Road Resources. Um, yeah. I have to say, though, that in my own client portfolios, the, the way that I tend to play gold is, is simply buying gold. Um, right. So there's a number of ETFs that, that give you exposure to the, to the actual gold physical. Um, so that just moves with the gold price. And I tend to find that that's a, a better way than trying mm. to play the individual uh, gold miners yep. themselves. Yep, good point. Uh, because as we can see from these charts, as we mentioned before, sort of everyone thinks gold price going up. Every gold stock will have to go up, but it just depends mm. on the mine, the management, the whole lot. Um, mm. David, some Barbara, does that sort of pique your interest at all? It's as a speculative buy because there's two parties bidding for it. I mean, I'm surprised I, I haven't heard the response from the St. Barbara board about the Silver Lake um, takeover bid, which was announced last week, yeah. which is better than uh, the one from Genesis. Um, also, Genesis is going to have to raise a lot of capital. Right. So it's going to dilute the shareholding for shareholders, in, in, whereas that's not the case with Silver Lake. They've got a much stronger balance sheet. They've got, they can pay right. it. They've got the cash to buy this. Hmm. So uh, obviously, the Silver Lake shareholders are not happy about it because you, know, you can see the reaction in the share price yep. from uh, from them making that announcement. But I agree with David Lane. I think if you're going to buy, I think if they don't go ahead with the takeover St. Barbara, I, I even if they do, I do like Silver Lake as well right. and okay. Gold Road, those two stocks. So, right. uh, But the trend is not your friend right now as well. So there's no rush. So if you're in it, would you hold St. Barbara? Uh, yes, you would. I think you see yeah. how it plays. See right? how it plays. It plays. Yeah, right. definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, recap the uh, final five stocks. HPR, uh, HPI rather, Hotel Property Investments, uh, a hold from both David's. Uh, Lifestyle Communities, uh, a no from David Novak, a hold from David Lane. In that sector, they they prefer Ingenia though. Uh, Iron Ear. A speculative buy from both Red Five, a hold from David Lane, a no from David Novak, who prefers Gold Road in the space. Some Barbara, a hold from both purely because of the mergers and acquisition uh, that is going on and the MA activity around it, but both like Silver Lake as well. David Lane from Ords in Brisbane, great to see you, mate. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Good on you. David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Likewise. Good pleasure. to see you. Always you really too. interesting to chat to these two blokes. Uh, join us for our next uh, virtual investor event here on Ausbiz. This one in partnership with Market Matters. Uh, FY24 ready. 
are you? Four of your favourite money managers talking high conviction calls as we enter a new potentially volatile new financial year. Uh, Ausbiz.co slash ready uh, is where you go for registration. It's free and it will be available as catch up as well. Well, that's it for the show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panels, you can do so through ausbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us using the at TV handle. More of Ausbiz straight after this. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.